1: and welcome to the Zero Ways to Countdown podcast and radio show. It's been a while since our last episode, so I'm so excited to bring you a new one. This one is featuring Justin Garrity with Veteran Compost. Justin, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: I'm excited to talk about two things that I'm very passionate about. So I am a veteran as well, uh, as you are as well, Justin. So that's pretty cool to talk about this. And of course, composting is one of the best things you can do for the environment. It's such a good thing. And uh, I want to hear all about your company and what got you into it and that sort of thing. So when did you start Veteran Compost? Has this been going on for a while?
0: Sometimes it feels like a long time, and sometimes it feels like we just got started. So I don't know. It depends on the day. But uh, I started back in 2010, Um, so we just passed our 10-year anniversary. So when I started, it was just me. It was the me show and uh, one-person operation, and now we have roughly 25 employees here working at two different locations.
1: That's awesome, and congratulations on your 10-year anniversary. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, it was a, we were going to have a big blowout party, and then COVID happened. So we'll we'll put oh. it off till next year. <laughs>
1: yeah, because for sure it will happen next year, and all this COVID stuff will be long gone next year. I'm sure of it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's keep keep hope alive. I'm with you. The finish line yes. is in sight. <laughs>
1: I'm just going to keep saying it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, gosh, yeah. And are you are you in Washington D.C.?
0: So we have. Uh two facilities uh the one that I work at day to day is in Aberdeen, Maryland, which is just north of Baltimore, and then we have another facility that's smaller but operates in Alexandria, Virginia, which is just outside the district. so our kind of area is the baltimore annapolis Washington kind of metro area
1: wow okay cool and so let's let's find out about the process so how do you how do you collect the compost and how did you kind of make it? Work because I imagine it's it's a bit of a dirty job, right?
0: Oh, it's a really dirty job. So this is uh, <laughs> this is not for everyone. That's for sure. Uh, we always have consistent hiring challenges because people just don't want to do this kind of work. So the way mm-hmm. that our business kind of works or our compost process is we collect food scraps from homes and uh, offices and businesses. Everything from a little bin on someone's doorstep in uh, Northern Virginia all the way up to to tractor-trailer quantities of of food that needs to be disposed of and everything in between. So we have um, trucks and vans that go out on regularly scheduled routes and pick up food scraps from people's homes and offices and businesses, uh, supermarkets, restaurants, schools, hospitals, things like that. And then we also have material that's brought to us. So it may be uh, dumpster quantities of uh, material. Like we get hops from breweries, we get lettuce, from food distribution centers that, that is spoiled, things like that, that are also brought to us via via dumpster load. And then all that material is received at our facilities. And we take the food scraps um, and we mix it with wood chips, which is our other main material that comes from tree services that um, you know, gives them an opportunity to a place to drop it. So we mix the wood chips and food scraps together, put that in a large pile with pipes that are inserted into it, And those pipes are connected to electric blowers that are on timers. And so we blow air into the pile uh, periodically uh, around the clock. And that helps provide oxygen that helps keep all the microbes uh, happy, all the bacteria and fungi that are in there. And they allow us to break everything down really quickly. So in your backyard, it may take six months, a year to break down your leaves. In our system, we can go 90 days from food waste coming in to finish compost going out, so it's a pretty quick process. Helps us prevent any odors or issues like that, and and produce a uh, a pretty consistent high quality product.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, if you have ever tried composting at home and didn't have enough oxygen getting into the compost, you might have noticed that it really starts to smell, right? So uh, i i get the the ejecting injecting air. Part to it, and then is that the Winrow system, or is this kind of a different system?
0: So our method is called the aerated static pile uh, method. So if you Google okay. that and you're interested in composting, it's interesting. There are really high price systems out there, multi million dollar systems um, with all kinds of bells and whistles. And uh, I don't have that kind of money, so we kind of worked from the other end of okay, we know we want to provide aeration. How do we do it at a low cost? And so we worked with an engineering firm that did help us with some of the design work. And then, you know, when I started, I started, like I said, just myself. So started really small with small piles and learned a lot of lessons that, uh, you know, now that we have more material and larger, uh, system, you know, it's good to have those, those experiences under your belt. Cause you know, if you make a mistake at this scale, you know, it'd be pretty, pretty odorous, like you said, or, or, or it could be a problem. So, you know, now at this point, it's really an interesting kind of business because part of it is a collection business, like a waste business where we're collecting material. Part of it's agricultural because we're here at farms and we're producing soils. And part of it's like really man- manufacturing because we're we have this process and we're trying to optimize a process to deliver a consistent, high quality product on a on a timeline. So it's a weird blend of kind of a different different sectors of, of business if you think about it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And and what are the wood chips for?
0: So when you're composting, you know, in your backyard and at our system uh, scale, you know, you need to have uh, greens, which are materials that are typically high in moisture and high in nitrogen. So if you think about food scraps, grass clippings, coffee grounds, things like that, and those are balanced out with browns, which are carbonous materials that help provide both carbon and porosity, kind of bulk up the pile. Because if you just had a big old pile of food waste, it'd be really mucky. There'd be no airflow it would be really too high in moisture. And so when we add things like wood chips or leaves, uh, you could use sawdust. Some people use manure with bedding. That helps provide carbon. That helps kind of get the right moisture level and then also bulk up the pile and provide porosity so that there's enough space in the pile for air to flow. Um, So some people use yard debris or other materials. In our facilities, we use just wood chips. We don't handle any yard debris. Our goal is to be uh, chemical-free and so by just oh. using wood chips, we try to uh, avoid any issues with pesticides, herbicides, things like that you might find in grass clippings and yard debris, stuff like that.
1: Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. You know, the I don't know if you know about PFAS, but sometimes I worry about those paper containers because years ago, I probably would have put one of those paper food containers into my compost thinking, oh, it's just paper. But now that I know it's typically coated in PFAS, I don't want to contaminate my compost because I... I try and keep it, like, as as quality as I can. Uh, And we had someone else who uh, worm farms. So she goes around Toronto and collects, like, coffee grounds and uh, different, like, food scraps from offices. Well, she used to. I think she got hit really hard with COVID, which is unfortunate. Uh, But paper, I remember her saying paper was, like, a very important part of uh, the worm's diet, which I guess is a, a bit different than the, you know, the aeration and, and, and providing different things that you're saying, but make that makes me feel better because I have a lot of straw going into my home compost now. So I think maybe that would, that would be good for it. Cause I was kind of worried about putting it in there.
0: Yes. Yeah, straws a great material. So that'd be like your brown type material. And the great thing about straw is it does decompose pretty quickly. So if you think about a wood chip, oh, wood good. chips take a long time to break down straw a lot quicker.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, because I've been looking at it pile up thinking, hmm, I don't know if this is going to go away anytime soon.
0: Oh, yeah, you're good.
1: <laughs> and also with the chicken chicken manure, right? It's going to be really high in nitrogen. But uh, yeah, good stuff. So what is like the finished product for? So I saw on your website that you can sign up. So if somebody's in, uh, in this area, so like Maryland, Baltimore area, right? You can kind of sign up for this service. And then you can get a bag or two back each year is that right of finished product
0: our residential customers um that participate in that program they, yeah they get a bag of uh finished compost back twice a year in the spring and the fall you know to help them nice. uh with their gardening and then some folks you know maybe you live in a condo and uh, you don't have a backyard they can always uh donate it to uh community gardens or farms that we work with so we have some outlets for that where they can kind of donate their share but the the big part of our business is is the product sales. So we we don't make a lot of money on the collection. Um, we mostly do it because we need the raw materials for our process. And so the products are really uh, where we earn our living. And so we produce uh, you know finished compost. We make topsoil, potting mix, seed starter mixes, super soil, biochar, um, all kinds of different blends with that compost worm castings, you know, things like that that we then sell either bagged or bulk to farmers and homeowners and gardeners, landscapers, stuff like that. So that's really the the big part of our business is the product side. So after we make the stuff is is uh is selling it to to folks who are ready to grow new stuff in
1: it. That's amazing. I don't know if you've ever heard of Terra Preta in the Amazon jungle?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we do some biochar stuff, which is kind of a little bit similar to that with the biochar blends, you know, the, but, uh, yeah, that is like the, the gold standard for, for soils there, the Amazon, uh, you know, the, the pictures are pretty cool. when they, when they show them online.
1: Yeah. So if you're listening, you can, you can Google Terra Preta Amazon soil and it's man-made soil that was made like thousands of years ago. And it was made so well <laughs> like like kind of what Justin's doing here right with food scraps and adding in you know different types of debris and i guess the stuff that you call the brown stuff right and it's just like the most amazing soil and there's even a conspiracy kind of theory uh that they think maybe the the amazon is even man made but i don't i don't know that's a little <laughs> crazy i think <laughs> to think about that but it's it's kind of fun to think about you know that humans can have a good part to play in keeping the world healthy and uh, making really good soil. I think humans are really good at making good soil. If only we would take the time to separate it at home, or like you said, you collect from uh, from schools and hospitals. I think is that was that right? Right.
0: Yeah. Healthcare is probably one of is probably our largest single sector. Healthcare and and grocery is probably the, the largest sources of our material. So you think about hospitals, lawn care facilities, anything that has like a commercial kitchen. Um, is a great opportunity yeah. for us to really collect a lot of material um, on a consistent basis.
1: That's so amazing. I wonder about the grocery stores, Are I like if someone's taking it out of the package. So before I've given this example of, let's say some cookies expire, are the grocery store people going to, you know, pay one of their workers to take the time to take all the cookies out and recycle the container or whatever you do, right? Or do you just landfill the the cookies because no one's going to like separate all the packaging and stuff. Um, You don't want to know
0: know the answer to that question. It would break everybody's heart.
1: (laughs) But you are getting some from grocery stores, which means that some of it is getting composted, which is good news.
0: We are. So we're getting uh, the grocery stores. I mean, they're very, they're all part of a, a number of different industry initiatives to really focus on waste. Because if you think about it, if they can find any sort of use that isn't, Going to the landfill, it's of benefit to them financially and as a business. So, like um, for example, like my supermarket, like I shop at Giant, where I live in Pennsylvania, they have like a fridge at the front of the store, and it's this like, and it's called flash foods. And there's an app now, and you can, when they have things that are just about to expire, they bring it to the front of the store, and you can see it on your app, and you can buy it at like a huge discount. So, like stuff like that, I think. Grocery stores are starting to smarten up. I know in Europe, it's really famous. There's a grocery chain that does like a, a happy hour, like the last hour of the night. All the stuff is uh, is you know at a discount. So a lot of that we're starting to see in, in food, which is great because it, it should end up on someone's plate if it can. Um, and then the composting part, we're kind of lower down the, the hierarchy of things. But uh, we are seeing more grocery stores take the time to really address it. Um, but like the depackaging thing, it is a challenge of who's gonna do the depackaging. At our end, um, we don't have the machinery. Our depackaging is by hand. So a lot of times people don't want to pay, you know, our labor cost for the depackaging. So a lot of that unfortunately does go currently to to landfills.
1: hmm Yeah, it reminds me of Tiger King, that one scene where the Walmart truck comes. I don't know yeah, if you're <laughs> yeah. listening. Seen that scene and like these guys are just in the back of the truck opening. Packs of bologna and like ham and stuff. Yeah. And I just thought, oh my gosh, it's like more plastic than food. And it's just going to take them hours to open up all these packs and give them to the tigers.
0: There are machines that are out there. So if you like, once again, if people want to get on a Google or YouTube rabbit hole for depackaging machines, there are systems that are out there. And like, I think if you fast forward a few years, you're going to see kind of regional setups where there are machines where they back up whole tractor trailers and and to the depackaging machine and and separate all that stuff. Unfortunately, it's just a, they're just really, really expensive machines. And so for us as a small business, it's just kind of out of the ballpark of what we could afford at this time. But I think it's coming. Yeah. I think there's going to we're going to see that in our lifetime. We're going to see huge, huge shifts in how all that stuff's treated.
1: Good. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure that you you get some plastic sometimes in the compost? Is that like, is that a big issue or like not very much? Are people pretty good about keeping that stuff out?
0: That it's one of our bigger challenges because, you know, once again, like the products are where we earn our living and no one wants to see plastic or trash in the finished product. I mean, that would negatively affect our ability to sell it. So we got to keep the trash out of there. But you know, I think generally our customers do really well. So if you're a residential customer, you're paying for our service. And so you're, you're probably inclined to do the right thing. So we don't see a lot of trash in that material on some of our commercial stuff. You know, we do see trash at very low levels. So let's say we're at, you know, 1% or say we're people are getting it right 99% of the time. Well, if we're doing, you know, a hundred tons a week, that's still one ton of trash. And a lot of it it is not bricks. It's little pieces of plastic, right? It's plastic wrap. It's plastic bags. A lot of it's what we call soft plastics, right? It's um, not necessarily Mm -hmm. bottles and cans. And so, um, like I said, we're very low tech. It's $9 blue gloves and $20 rubber boots. And the guys, uh, myself included, are in there trying to pick through out any of the trash at several different points in the process so it's a constant struggle because once it comes to our our facilities we own it for life right so we now need to either compost it or recycle it if it's a bottle or can or we need to dispose of it if it's trash so we we need to figure out what to do with it because we now we now own it for life
1: hmm yeah and uh there was a a farm i saw this on your website is one of the facilities on the farm
0: so all of our facilities are, are on farm properties. So like our facility in Aberdeen, we're a 30 acre farm. We use about three or four acres for the composting. And we actually have two different farmers who farm in the fields to, to grow food. Um, and we're actually in the process of putting up a 4,000 square foot uh, hoop house to be able to grow year round here. And then at our other f- facility in Virginia, we lease some space on a a, lar- a larger farm property. And so our landlord uh, or our partner, um, they grow food Are uh, the Arcadia. If you look up Arcadia in Alexandria, Virginia, they grow food, they teach all kinds of farming programs. And then the food that they grow uh, goes to underserved areas in DC. So they actually do a mobile market where they go to food deserts and sell that produce at, at a reduced cost to, to folks in the city. So it's like, pretty cool to see. And they, a lot of their, their farmer training program is they take military veterans and train them on farming as a, as a, you know, a follow-up career to their military service. So um, it's kind of cool to see, um, you know, at both of our sites that, you know, mm-hmm. our compost is going right back in the ground to grow stuff and and people are learning and, and taking that knowledge out to, to start new farms.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, being a veteran, you know when you're in war and stuff it's not it's not a job that can transfer easily over to some jobs but there's so many skills and qualities i think in a veteran because they've learned so much and they've usually been through a lot and they're quite capable and you know can show up on time and and stuff like that uh so why do you focus on veterans because i believe you focus on hiring them right
0: I do. Uh, So the way this all started for me is I I went to college and the day I graduated college, I raised my right hand and was sworn in the army and off I went. And so I did. um, I was a combat engineer officer on active duty for five years and then switched over to the National Guard for another five years. So when I came home from the army, I had trouble finding a job. I mean, I literally couldn't find a job. No one wanted to hire me. Um, And so I found myself unemployed. So I had to find something to do. And so I know what that feels like. I mean, that is, you talk about low points in life. That was a low point in life for me. And so, you know, at this point, try to send the elevator back down and help other people out. And so whenever possible, we kind of go as much as we can out of our way to hire veterans and family members of veterans, um, because I think that they need help, um, maybe sometimes getting back on track. And then, you know, it benefits us as an employer, because generally they, they tend to be better than the normal population as employees with the intangibles like you mentioned showing up on time, you know, work ethic, um, mm-hmm. just being able to accomplish missions and and be adaptive, you know, kind of the, the mm-hmm. un the qualities that you don't necessarily translate to a resume well.
1: Yeah, uh, well, thank you for your service. That's really nice that you're doing that. It sounds like you're very compassionate. So you're compassionate about people, but how did you become compassionate about the environment? I mean, I'm assuming that you are because this is like a huge part, I think, of uh, of keeping our environment clean because, it you know, it reduces landfill so much.
0: Yeah. So I when I was like looking at businesses to start, I just I knew I wanted to do something purposeful. Like the one thing I liked about the military is there was was always a a mission and a purpose. So when I looked at like sustainable businesses and opportunities, waste kind of stuck out to me. And two thirds of what's in the back of every trash truck in America is compostable. It's food waste, it's untreated wood waste, it's yard debris, or or paper Mm -hmm. waste. So, you know, it just seemed like there was all this material and throwing it out seemed like a huge environmental waste, and it also seemed like a, a financial waste, and it seemed like a good business opportunity. And so, I had read a book um, by Gary Hirschberg, who was the guy who started Stonyfield Yogurts. and it's all about kind of using business and capitalism to really accomplish environmental goals. And so, that's kind of my goal was if I got into composting, and I was driving a nice car or truck, other people would see that and say, "Well, shoot, I ought to get into recycling and composting because." you know, Justin's driving a pretty sweet car or truck over there. And so that's kind of been my goal. So like I, I do I do really like the planet. I like the outdoors. I, I have kids and I, I want the world to be better for them and, and so that they can enjoy it. And I think, you know, climate change is alarming. But I'm not a full. like I always warn people. I eat steak and I drive an F150, so I'm not like I'm not environmental enough for some people. So I guess it's you know I go to like waste conventions and the trash people think I'm like way out there, and then I go to like a clean water event and I'm like, you know, not on the good list. So it just depends on on what shade of green yeah. you subscribe to. You know, there's a lot of green on green crime. We need to stop it.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, and hatred just everybody. Yeah. Understand we're all doing what we can. And for each person, it's different what we can do and what fits into our life. Right. Uh, But I I had someone once be like, Laura, you can't be an environmentalist because you drive a truck. And that's when I was in the military. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like five days a week. I ride my bike to the base, 18 kilometers there and back. (laughs) And then I have my truck for weekends so that I can go up. I was living on Vancouver Island. So amazing camping and kayaking and surfing and skiing in the winter. Like it's just a mecca for outdoors. So I was like, you know, I do what I can to save the environment, but then I also enjoy it.
0: No, like environmentalists eat their own. So we need to, we need to knock it off. So like we have a compost facility we're trying to build in between Annapolis and DC. And it's an opportunity to compost a lot of material. to site, we, I've never received any grants. This is the first grant I ever got it's from the Department wow. of Agriculture to teach farmers how to compost. And the idea is if we could show farmers how to compost manure, then they would compost instead of doing other things that are you know, fouling up the water in our region. And that project mm. has been held up for five years by environmentalists, so it's like <laughs> if you guys wow, let me build wow. it. Like in the bigger picture, it's good for society. But um, like what? I said, it's uh, is it being
1: held up.
0: Uh, some people think that I'm. Uh, we're building on top of a former landfill, so it is a closed landfill. So this used to be mm-hmm. a landfill built in the '90s. It's a property that's unwanted by anybody, and so we're leasing it to build this site. So it seems like a great opportunity to really turn a brownfield. Into something where we could train people, provide employment, um, you know, process materials and create soils. And someone has decided that um, I'm negatively affected. That 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 they see it as a bird habitat, not as an abandoned landfill. And so they um, oh. have kind of thrown down a lot of roadblocks. So
1: oh my gosh, the birds would love a compost, wouldn't they? <laughs> wouldn't I, birds? Like I don't that?
0: know. It's just like we have. Yeah, I mean, our site here in Aberdeen, we have barn swallows. We have eagles we have all kinds of cool stuff but yeah i I love the planet it's just uh like i said sometimes i'm not green enough for folks but i get
1: it. yeah no i do too and i try to stick up for people who drive trucks not only because i drive (laughs) one but (laughs) because um like we can't really do what we're doing here in north america i know europe has less trucks but i think they're built a little more denser than we are but like in canada you know we're we live miles out of town and our towns are far apart and all this stuff. So uh, we're still building, right? There's lots of people just building, building, building. And, and that's what you're doing. You're building a compost facility and and uh, trying to make the world a little bit better, right? The composting is just huge for me. And, and on my zero waste countdown that I did, uh, I'm not so good now in COVID. I'll be honest. That sucks. But... Uh, <laughs> The composting is what really did it for me, because if you separate your compost out of your garbage, you can leave your garbage piling up for like months and it won't stink. Mm -hmm. But if you put anything gross in your garbage, like wet or anything food, that's when you get the smell problems. That's when you need to use a plastic bag because I don't use a plastic bag. I just have a, uh, you know, an insert into the garbage can and you know, it's very, very slow filling up and then I'll take it out to the garbage. But yeah, composting, I think was the biggest thing. And uh, yeah. So that's awesome. I I mean, you um, think like
0: in some areas they call it wet waste. And and once again, this is all stuff that a hundred years ago was commonplace that people would have a a slop bucket or a wet waste bucket and the pig guy would come and pick it up. And that's what my great grandmother did. So all we're doing is essentially coming back to the way things were a hundred years ago in cities, you know when there was a home for everything, there was a ragman and a scrap guy and a pig guy yeah. and all that stuff, right So
1: yeah, I think that's where some European names come from. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I don't know. Carpenter is like a very famous last name, um, yeah. like Smith, yeah, you know, or those kind of things. I think they come from like the trades, which is I guess doesn't have anything to do with the show, but. <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> But I just love history, actually. And and again, with the, the Amazon, like I think these people were doing it right thousands and thousands of years ago. And sometimes I think we're getting like almost less smart as we as the generations go on, because, yeah, when you look at the the Amazonians and what they were doing with that soil and building it, uh, it's pretty amazing. And then even like a few hundred years ago with farming techniques, everything was just produced in, internally on the farm, really, because you use the animal poop as fertilizer and you'd use your food scraps for compost and that sort of thing and make your good soil and ashes so everybody would have heated their home with wood and then the hardwood ashes are really good for the garden too that's what we use and uh and then the bone meal which is i'm not sure how to make it i buy that
0: Um, (laughs) It's a lot of work
1: so i would not yeah we we compost a lot
0: of the bones and stuff here that's easier than trying to make the bone meal out of it
1: that would be kind of a gross job, I think, to do that part. Certainly, <laughs> so so you can accept like dairy and and meat products as well.
0: So, what makes kind of our process different than say your backyard? You know, if you have ever taken a backyard compost class or watched a video, there's usually a, a list of things you don't want to put in your backyard, and meats and oils and dairy products are probably high up there because they had potential odors and also attract a lot of vectors, so the raccoons and mice and flies are going to come out (laughs) for those items and in our system what's that
1: vectors is an interesting name i just call them critters
0: yeah Yeah, it's like the politically correct uh name in in like in like facility maintenance maintenance (laughs) or whatever you want to call it for for pests but uh We, you know, our piles that, you know, are at 140 degrees Fahrenheit or, you know, 55 degrees Celsius, probably within 72 hours of building them. And so they get really, really hot. And we, on the outside of our pile, we cover with several inches of old compost. And so it kind of insulates everything. And so odors can't really seep out because it scrubs the odors. And then it also helps to act as a blanket. So if you were uh, a -hmm. fox or a bird and you started to dig into the pile before we ever got to any of the good stuff, your paws would be too hot. And so it allows us to keep anybody from digging into it or being attracted to it. And then just the heat itself breaks everything down. And so we do, um, a ton of, because we're in Maryland on the Chesapeake Bay, we do a ton of seafood. So crabs, oysters, things like that, fish. Um, and then this time of year with it being the holiday season, um, you know, not uncommon to see a lot of, poultry and, and ham waste and things like that coming through here. We do a lot of, of meat from turkey. our supermarkets and homeowners and stuff like that. Yeah. Turkey bones, ham bones, all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's crazy to see people's eating patterns like through their, their food waste, which which archaeologists have been doing for, for a long time, right? That's how you can tell a lot about a culture by digging <laughs> through their waste. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> it definitely
0: changes throughout the year here. And there's you know certain seasons for this or that. And um it is yeah. kind of interesting to watch what we get in the bins. You kind of we play we played detective every now and again as we kind of check stuff out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is that is pretty neat. Um, so, okay, tell us the area again. I, I know we name some of the cities, but can you just tell us the area that this is available and how people can sign up if they're in that area?
0: Sure. So we are anywhere from really Philadelphia to Northern Virginia for our product sales. Uh, delivery, you know, and then our services in that area as well. And we do ship some of our products if people ever, you know, need them. And then our we also put out a lot of social media just in general about gardening and um, and stuff like that. We have a soil scientist on our staff. So we, you know, if you follow us online, if for no other reason than to get some garden advice and things like that, tips and tricks. But you can look up Veteran Compost if you Google us or Facebook.com slash Veteran Compost or uh, on YouTube and Instagram as well. And um, like I said, we try to just put out lots of information about gardening and composting and helping people out so they can be successful uh, um, with home gardening and farming and stuff like that.
1: Awesome. Sounds good. Cool. Well, this has been great. So I'm really happy to talk to you today about this. So thank you for the the work that you're doing, not only for the environment, but to help out you know, your brothers and sisters that are looking for a job. And um, I think that this is wonderful. So thank you, Justin.
0: No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the conversation.
1: Cool. That's Justin Garrity from Veteran Compost. Change starts now.
0: This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.